Hey, you wanted to see me? Jack, Legal has some concerns about the new Jack in the Box marketing campaign. Why? It just says my teriyaki bowls are better than ever, with your choice of steak or chicken, plus veggies and whiter brown rice covered in our teriyaki sauce. And then everyone's going to love my bowls. Right. You can't say that last part. So I can't talk about my sweet bowls? No. Can I say my bowls are meaty? Absolutely not. But I already put up the billboard that says enjoy my bowls. Oh, no. Try my teriyaki bowls, only at Jack in the Box. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Black Sales. I am Kente. I am one of your hosts, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, in the middle of a freaking heat wave. It is so freaking hot here, but I am here melting away for you guys' enjoyment. And And also, joining me is the one, the only, the beautiful, the talented, the witty, that lives in paradise... Jen, how you doing, Jen? <laughs> I I I have to say I live for those intros. <laughs> They're so awesome. I'm doing great. Um, not quite as hot here as it is every place else on the planet, but we have hurricanes, so you know, trade off one for the other, I guess. Super excited about this episode. I can't wait to talk about these women. I t- really, really, really love them. Yeah, I, I started to think that uh, our audience is sexist because they never want to talk about talk about the ladies. They always want to talk about the dudes. I'm so tired of those guys, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about the ladies, right? I I I think if you if you really dig down, you'll see a heck of a lot of people who really like not just Max, but Anne and a lot of the other women that are there even the ones that just play like small roles it's amazing how you can just bring up a little thing about one of the women on the show and five people will have some big dissertation to tell you about how incredibly impactful they were so it's kind of exciting yeah i mean i'm i'm a huge fan of uh those characters and i'm always uh looking forward to talk about talk about them so you know i i just think that uh Anytime when we can get together and talk about one of our favorite shows of all time, uh, Black Sales, it's always a positive. So, um, uh, Yardley is about to join us as, uh, as we welcome in Yardley to this discussion. How you doing, Yardley? Hey, what's up? Hey, and also joining us is uh, Yardley. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Managing. All right, managing. Okay. How how is it over there? Because it's, it's burning up here in L.A. Yeah, it's it's really hot out here as well. We just got a really quick thunderstorm that came through. But, uh, you know, for the most part, outside of the humidity, uh, you know, it's been fair. We've gotten a little bit more rain than we have in previous years. Mm. Well, send some of that over here, please. Um. So, uh, Yarley doesn't know this, but, um, when we first started doing podcasts together, we used the service called block talk radio and it, in for that time it did us well. Uh, so, um, today we are actually using block talk radio with Spreaker, uh, to, for this broadcast. So, um, you guys can call in through the block talk radio, uh, network and that number is. Uh, 657-383-1714. Once again, that is area code 657-383-1714. So we're going to try it out for a month or so, see how it goes. I know they've made some uh, some upgrades. And then there's some things that uh, are not as cool as it from before. So we'll find out if it'll work. But you can still get the show through Spreaker as well as Blog Talk Radio. You can call in and listen through your phone and just listen in. Or if you want to call in, ask a question that has a great 
uh, cue for that. So it should be interesting. Uh, we used to do that in the beginning. I remember uh, when we did our Hell on Wheels show, we used to get a lot of callers, and it was fun to uh, keep up with that. So the, the, one of the great things about Blog Talk Radio is that. So And it opens us up once again to the Blog Talk Radio audience as well. So uh, if you get a chance, check us out there as well as our website, indyradio.org. That's I-N-D-Y radio.org. Okay, we got all that business out the way. We've been away for a while, and we're con- we're continuing our Black Sales series uh, retrospective. This is our part four, and tonight, based on uh, votes by the fan base, we are going to be covering both Anne Bonnie and Max in this episode, which I think is fitting, right, with uh, those two uh, characters. I mean, we could have thrown in Eleanor as well because they're all kind of connected in 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 a way but I, I think Eleanor we could um she we can do one that's uh, more centric to her but um I I would I think uh, a good place to start off is let's talk about Anne first um I find it interesting that the grouping with Anne was with her and Max versus with her and uh, Rackham uh, Jen you're probably a good person to ask why do you think the fans wanted us to talk about them two together versus uh, her and Rackham well I I think what uh, what sort of transpired here is it's not the, let's see there's a there, there's a good way to put this and I think it has to do with uh, what I had said before which is that powerful women in black sales they embody something which has been missing from a lot of both historical fiction and just really good uh, TV dramas recently, especially. Um, And so I I think it's not that we want to take away anything from the relationship between Anne and Jack. It's that she stands on her own. Max stands on her own as being sort of forces to be reckoned with. And I think that's sort of why people like to have conversations about them independently and then draw them into smaller uh, kind of subsets of, well, what is this relationship like? What is this character dynamic like? And that kind of thing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, I, you know, I I think we said this, I said this once before in this retrospective series, but I'll kind of reiterate it. Um, uh, I remember, I recall when we first started doing this podcast, Yardley, we were waiting and waiting for Anne Bonnie to bust out her character because, you know, we felt like we felt like there was something brewing there and there was more to come. And in that first season, you just kind of seen her kind of in the background, not necessarily probably to the well, not to her fullest potential. And I remember um, someone who used to be on the show uh, back in the day used to always say, I'm just waiting. Remember, he used to always say, I'm waiting for Ann Bonnie. To, I just feel it. It's coming right with her character. And yeah. I, and I'm trying to recall in the first season. Did she I'm trying to remember her in the first season. Did she have like any some real huge moments in the first season uh, that we did latch on to. I don't think, I don't recall in that first season. Yeah, it was, it was either penultimate episode or the last episode. Remember the guy, I think she killed the guy who had raped Max. It was somebody who she stabbed at the end of the season. And it was a, and and it was kind of a big deal, but I, I've been so removed from the show, probably, you know, what has been off the air for like a year. I can't remember that particular character's name, but I know he was like bald or something like that. Uh, Jen might have a better recollection than I. So at the end of season one, which I, just actually concluded for probably the third time. Um, I did. I pulled somebody else into it and sat down and watched it with them. Um, and Bonnie and Eleanor cook up the plan to go kill the entire Ranger crew that's left. I guess there's, uh. I think there's eight men and they lure them out to the wrecks okay. and it's Anne Bonnie and uh, Eleanor's man that kill all eight of those crew members. So she, she definitely, had a shining moment right there. I mean, that was pretty, when you think about it, that was actually really uh, both audacious and 
it took a heck of a lot of courage. I can't even imagine. But one of those eight guys was the guy who assaulted Max, wasn't it? It was. Well, yeah, that was the guy who they all did. Yeah, but the, I know there were there was a one particular guy who had went overboard, and that was the guy who I think that she killed last, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't yeah. That? yeah, and the most painfully by stabbing the knife in his belly and kind of twisting it. Yeah, yeah, like to make his death a little bit more uh, painful and prolonged. Yeah, she's a bit of a sadist. <laughs> I mean, is she though, or was that just you know what the guy got? You know. He... He got what he we had coming to him. Uh, well, I don't. I think you could argue both. I think you really could. <laughs> so yeah, she has a little sadist, and then also, you know, she did what she had to do. You know. So I, I'm. I'm. Hey, I'm good with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm. I'm good with what she did. You know. You you know what I thought was so interesting about the the end of uh, sort of Anne breaking out of her shell was that at the same time that she was breaking out of her shell, she was basically uh, distancing herself away from Jack. Right. I, I thought that that was actually pretty interesting because it's important later on as well that she's not just his lackey. Was she ever really his lackey, though? No, but I think they sort of portrayed it that way in the beginning. It, it felt, the lead-up felt like Anne was just sort of... Uh, Vane and Jack's sort of bodyguard almost like it didn't feel like she had a lot of uh, character dynamic around her but after that happened it re- it just really felt like there was something far bigger there and it was totally removed from who Jack Rackham was mm. so you're you're in that camp of um, of uh, like you like you like the fact that uh, that the, our fan base wanted to see them separate from each other. I I, I am actually oh, not, not because I don't think I mean you, we could do an entire episode on just Jack Rackham, right? But it, it's but I don't think you'd ever be able to do an episode about Jack Rackham and not pull in and Bonnie as sort of being really critical to who he was and maybe vice versa you could say that uh and really you know her character had integral uh stepping stones with jack too but you could talk about Anne all by herself and it and you don't quite need the same associations after season one yeah because i i you know i i vaguely remember i i remember the conversation of we, we were waiting for Anne to you know to get going and, um, you know, eventually I feel like, I mean, don't you guys feel like that in the, by the end of the show though, we really did get to see, um, a good depiction of the character, right? Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. Or I don't know. I don't know if you want to say a good depiction, but she was definitely a more well-rounded character right. by the end of the show, even though, you know, I think with Anne Bonnie's character in general on the show, there are times where she shines and then there are spots within the season where she's just kind of lurching around, right. you know, where it almost seems like, you know, it was kind of difficult for them to give her something to do. But I think that once things got more intense, at least for me in the last season, I, I really did feel like a character in the beginning who I thought was kind of cool. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, there were certain people uh, who were on, you know, previous shows, you know, that really had a, um, you know, a real liking, you know, to that character. So later on in the season, I think that I felt a lot differently about the character than I did in probably the first two. But, you know, all in all, well, except for the, um, what was it, the little Mary Reed thing where they kind of shoehorned her in. I don't know why. <laughs> in like the last episode I I would say that I I didn't think that it was as strong of a finish because of that for her character yeah I I would agree I I would say yeah that last season (laughs) the last season I yeah I thinking about it yeah because you know she was wasn't she like 
you know, she was hurt for a certain amount of episodes. She was that the, actually, to be honest, it seemed like for them to really focus on, you know, the Flints and uh, the Silvers, I think that they did have to put her, you know, on the back burner. Because to be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, even though I like the character more in the last season, I can't say that I would want less Flint or Silver just to give her more to do. Yeah. See, I, 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 I had a really similar feeling, not to veer off too far off topic, because I think that it is important, but um, I, I had a very similar feeling about the reason that they killed Charles Vane, too, because it, at some point, the story became about Flint and Silver, and in order to sort of narrow that passage, in order to get us there, they had to take out the characters that would have created for us bigger storylines elsewhere, and so... I think that's the reason they sent Max to the colonies. They needed to actually get her off of the island so she didn't have the biggest uh, influence there. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, does that, do you take some points away for that? Or are you just, hey, that's just what it is when you're telling the stories? You know, it's it's, it's odd because I think if they had anticipated, uh, and, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. If If in season two they had anticipated the way that they were going to end everything in season four, maybe they could have done something a little bit different. But, you know, on the other hand, maybe this was already by grand design done. Um, that certainly seems plausible and feasible. It does, to me, feel a little bit... Uh, too well architected like it like there's there's stages of Anne Bonnie and Max's story that that feels so scripted that it loses what I feel like Black Sails was so good at which is sort of evoking on the on the spot and off the cuff emotion and uh action based on sort of what we would perceive as circumstances and random events and instead they sort of made it feel like uh, I don't want to use the word contrived, but it almost felt contrived. I don't know if I'm the only one that has that opinion, but that, that's how I felt about it. But if you think about it also, like that's one of the joys of like in the beginning of a series, right? Is that you can take those kind of leaps and you can do all of that stuff. And then, you know, then what happens is uh, now you got to be grown up. You know, you got to now you have to think about these kind of things, these things that you can kind of shove to the side. Now you got to figure out, you know, how you're going to get through these uh, these different potholes or that you come across when you are when you're writing something. So, uh, well, it's, yeah. I, I think with Anne and and Max both, but especially with Anne in the beginning, it was it was more akin to, OK, how can we tell her story? But in the in the third and the fourth season, it was how can we wrap up her story? And and even though she lived and and was going to move on to other things, it still felt like they were trying to somehow uh, tie up all the loose ends that belonged in there. And that that to me didn't sit so well. But you know what, though, maybe we shouldn't give the black sales writers any leeway because they had something that a lot of shows don't have is, you know, they were always, what, two seasons ahead, knowing that they were going to be around. So, yeah. you know, maybe they should have already. It seemed like from the beginning, Stars was committed to the show from the beginning. You know, like, they never really, they always were, like, two. I mean, I've never seen that for a show that starts where you get a two-season commitment and then you get another two-season commitment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, you know? So maybe we, you know, maybe they should have had it all together, being that they were given so much, you know, time to know how to shape the story. Because I don't think it, the show was canceled, right? It was, that was just a run, right? I think that wasn't yeah, it always going to be like four seasons. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what I understood. Mm-hmm. I understood that it had a beginning, a middle and an end. It, it's just that the beginning, like you said, the beginning is always so exciting in every story and and. Uh, once again, especially with Max and Anne, there's something, although I would almost argue that Max's story, even though it began in season one, it doesn't really begin to take on a full cycle until season two. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning of Black Sails, the the whole story of who the pirates are sort of comes to life. 
and uh, and so the writers had a lot of uh, latitude to do all kinds of things, and it was exciting. But by the time that they got to the real meat of, okay, yeah, but we're telling the prequel to Treasure Island, the, it's it started to feel like, well, we have to force the story into this little angle or this little angle because otherwise we're never going to get to, well, why was Treasure Island, uh, why was this a prequel to Treasure Island? Yeah, and, and something else uh, I just wanted to add quickly. It's kind of funny because we're talking about Max and Anne, you know, and their, you know, their their arcs throughout the series. And we mentioned earlier about how some people had wanted an Eleanor podcast. But when you think about um, Max and Anne Bonnie, especially with her relation with um, with Jack Rackham, Eleanor was basically the launching point for a lot of their storylines. So she, uh, Eleanor as a character was a very important person because certain things that she did or certain personal stakes she might have had in individuals actually helped those individuals kind of become the pivotal characters that they were later on. You know, Rackham wanted to deal with Eleanor, blah, 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 on the business side. You know, Max had the sexual relationship with her. Um, you know, and other things like that. So I think it's interesting that the one um, character that we're not talking about today is pretty much the person that sent all of these characters in, you know, certain directions or, or these particular two. Right. Uh, although right. arguably, right, you could say in, in no uncertain terms that almost every single major character in Black Sails has their start or foundation within Eleanor's purview. and mm-hmm. And to to discount whether you love her or hate her. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people who really hate Eleanor. But whether you love her or hate her, the 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 blocks that she provides all the other characters to then build from are huge. It, I mean, it's just, when you go back and you watch season one, you realize that, that the influence that Eleanor had over all of these characters was not just minimal, like, oh yeah, they could have gone on and done something without her. It was she was the reason behind everybody doing everything. You know, it seems like a lot of the hate from Eleanor is because they love Charles Vane. Yep. So <laughs> it's like, you know, because they came uh, at odds, you know, or maybe they wanted to, to have the relationship that Eleanor had with Charles Vane. <laughs> you know, why there's so much hate. I mean, like, you know, if you think about it, there's a lot of ways, and I know this is not an Eleanor podcast, but there's a lot of ways, reasons to uh, admire what she was able to accomplish. But it's all like, nope, we like this guy, so F her. Yeah, <laughs> but, al- but also, <laughs> Eleanor got a bad rap in some aspects, and I have mentioned this on uh, on the Talking Black Sales Facebook page uh, from time to time, at least, you know, back in the day. It was just the fact that I couldn't understand um, how people could hate on Eleanor for doing the same shit the dudes were doing. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? So that, that that's what bugged me about it. I'm like, seriously? And then when I would make that case, you, you know, it's just it's just weird to me. So sometimes I kind of think that people don't really realize. Uh, it's kind of, you know, we mentioned this as far as um, what Game of Thrones was concerned. Like, every character has warts and they all are doing the same things, but for some reason, when you like a particular character, you have selective amnesia that they're doing the same shit that you're hating on somebody else for. So, uh, for me, I didn't really like that, but I agree 100%. A lot of it was the love of Charles Vane. And I am I just, for the life of me, can tell you, you know, I've screamed it. I know Jen has heard it. I'm like, look, you killed the girl's daddy. I don't care what else. You, you leave family and children out of action. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I was actually happy. I'm like, you killed, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would be just as petty. I don't even want to say that it's petty, but I would be just as vengeful. Uh you know, as she was, I mean, you know, my family, you know, my dad might have been a douchebag, but, you know, if anybody was going to kill the mother, it was going to be me. You know I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I don't know, at least for me, but uh, Jen, on the aspect of why people hated on Eleanor, and I know we got to bring this back to Max and Anne, but, I, you know, I heard you, you know, in agreement, like, I, I just think, why, why do you feel like people... Uh, tend to ignore the same attributes and the characters that they like being an Eleanor, but they hate on her for doing the same thing. 
So, uh, you know, th- this is actually one of those things that I've given uh, quite a bit of thought to just because I also uh, really enjoy writing myself. And I find that when you create strong female characters, and, uh, and I'm going to actually bring this to Anne and Max in just a second. When you create strong female characters, there is a, there's a, uh, like an archetype that that does not sit well with people where it's the line between, wow, you're a really strong woman and oh my God, you are a bitch. And that line is, is it's circumspect in some ways because the, it becomes very difficult to understand for a one group, why that person gets one designation and then another group gives them Oh no, you're just a really strong person. But I think that what happened is Anne and Max both have moments of very strong femininity, very vulnerable, very uh, it, it, it they're written in a way that kind of give them um, uh, a type of almost subjugation by the men who are on the island. And Eleanor doesn't have that. She is strong from the beginning. Her only moments of vulnerability are when you wound her like like Charles did by killing her dad um, or when she has completely lost it all. And even then she finds a way to come back. But there isn't that sense of uh, sort of classic female vulnerability. And I think that people responded so sort of callously to that because you're not supposed to be like a man. But if you think about it, the only woman who could have been Charles Vane's match was a woman like Eleanor. She is the same side. Uh, she's, she's a different side, sorry, to the same coin. I mean, she is Charles Vane, but just flipped. And it, it surprises me too. It really, it, it really surprises me the hate that that character gets, not just because she was she belonged to Charles Vane, but because Max and uh, and Anne command respect, but people don't call them, she was a bitch, she was this, she was that. There's something very different about that, the, the, those characters uh, in terms of how people related to them. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Actually, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think. I think that um, that's, a, that's completely true. You know, um, I, going back to Max in that first season, I hated her character's uh, storyline in that first season. And I remember we talked about it a lot during during that first season because it was just so bleak and sad and she's getting raped. And, you know, it was just was like and it just seemed like it was just dark and dark and dark. And, um, you know, and I think that was another one. We were also saying the same thing, like we're waiting for her character to come out you know, on the other side of it. And, um, you know, I never, I never disliked Max, the character, but I just didn't like her storyline, uh, at all. It was definitely not something that I, I was really in love with. So, you know, um, I, it's just, I, I don't see the negativity towards, uh, Max or Anne that was towards Eleanor. And I think it's what the reason you said, you actually hit it. Uh, perfectly I think because well, uh, most people the, they think very highly of that character there are people that, that dislike Max there are a lot of people who dislike Max uh, because she also is conniving and manipulative but I, I would venture to say and I know that it's been said before by us many times that there's no way to exist in a world like Black Sails there's no way to exist in a time with those circumstances where you aren't on equal playing field with the pirates and the pirates are supposed to be the most conniving, manipulative, violent people on the planet at the moment. They are the monsters of civilization. So how, if you are going to introduce female characters to that, you can't have them be, you know, milk toast. They have to be really, really super strong. So sometimes the argument that, yeah, but she's too manipulative or, uh, Max came across as being too uh, disloyal or things like that. That does not sit with me at all. I did just the argument doesn't hold water. Disloyal. That's funny. In in this environment, uh, disloyal. 
you know? Like, if you you can be too loyal in that environment, you know, to a fault, right? So the, it's, it's the people that don't backstab that you actually worry about because they, because their loyalties are a little bit, they're suspect. Yeah, I, that's just funny to me. But, um, okay, so let's, let's kind of go on, I would say, this segment, uh, I would call it like their greatest hits. Uh, Ann Bonnie and um, Max. We'll start with Ann Bonnie. What do? You, what are? You, uh, we'll start with you, Jan. Uh, what, what was your some of your favorite moments uh, that Ann has been in? You know, maybe may action, uh, humorous, or whatnot. Well, I, I think I think my favorite scene with Ann Bonnie is definitely the one where she's on uh, Blackbeard's ship and they go through the epic battle. And I'll tell you, it's just a complete and total vanity thing, right? I just love her without her hat. Uh, (laughs) And you get to see her without her hat during that entire fight scene. I I, Actually, the fight scene was actually really well done, too. Uh, That's one of my favorite moments. I I love the moments that uh, that happen between Anne and Jack when they're talking about, let's leave. Let's just leave, turn around, and never look back. How, what a different story we would have had if that had been the case, right? But how much she actually cared about, uh, not just like, it wasn't just her future. How much she cared about Jack in that moment was sort of, it was bigger, I think, than maybe we've all even given it credit. Because I know she knew that to Jack, it was difficult to just walk away from everything. So I those two sort of are the biggest for me for Anne. Yeah. Well, I want to say that the two for me, number one, uh, the biggest moment for Anne Bonnie was in the season four. Um, you know, when she got hurt, when she was fighting that, uh, the pirate that was pretty much, you know, below the deck, you know, the one that was just <laughs> totally smashing, yeah. uh, everybody. That was a fight where I think a lot of us, when we were watching the episode that we really did think that, you know, like, and that, you know, that, that was it, you know, she was, she was checking out after that, but that was a, it was a very grim scene. And, but it was, it was really cool. Cause I think a lot of people who are watching it were really emotionally, you know, into that battle that, you know, she, you know, that she just, she did her thing. I mean, she did the best that she could because that guy was a monster, you know? So I thought that that was great because it kind of left you hanging to what her fate was. And then something else, it wasn't really action packed or nothing that really probably didn't stand out to a lot of other people, but it was a conversation that she had with Max in season one after Max had gotten assaulted, where she had pretty much alluded to the fact that, um, you know, that something like that had happened to her before. And for some reason, that's one of those moments that sticks out between those two characters where I feel like at after that moment, that was something else that was in common for them. And I think that that conversation kind of launched them into the direction to become lovers. I think the fight scene would be my, my favorite one, but just to, to pick something different um, is... Uh, I love the scene where Rackham wants to to get revenge for uh, for uh, Vane's death, and then she gives him that speech, like you know, you know, essentially saying, "No, <laughs> you don't want to do that. For what purpose would you do that?" You know, I can't remember the exact words, but I remember uh, she says something that's so real to where he had to even go, like, "Why, you know." this is not even something he would want, you know, and you're being stupid, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly what she said to him, but, but, uh, that scene. And then another one is, uh, when, uh, he was having uh, problems, uh, uh, you know, sexually and she offered to do something to <laughs> get him. <laughs> I, I fell out. I fell on the floor. That was funny as hell. Hey, she, she, I guess she's down, man. She's just like, look, bro, whatever it takes, I'm almost there. <laughs> what I, what cracked me up was she said it so matter of fact, like, hey, you know, if you need me to do that, uh, you know. You know. That's obviously something that she's probably done before. Didn't it come off like that? Yeah. Jen? It it did. It, and, yeah. and, and, you know, funny that 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 that, that Particular piece comes up because it seems to me like 
Anne was probably that's one of the reasons I always thought it was so funny with her relationship with Max. She's probably one of the most uh, sexually forward people. I mean, in the very beginning, in like what the first episode, I think it's the first episode, or maybe it's a second. She basically just walks up to Jack and tells him that she wants to fuck. It's the craziest thing. It's like you wouldn't even expect for someone to be so forward, and there she was. Yeah, hey. actually, I actually really admire that about her. I I do too. I I do too. Forward is okay with me. So. <laughs> So I I, I, pour, I tip my hat to Anne. <laughs> hey, forward is out there in the universe though, so that's not like a uh, a made up thing for television. That's right. That's right. That's for sure. Okay. I so, just I just uh-huh. like the fact that Anne seems so willing to take control of her own destiny at almost every moment. I mean, there's no moment in Anne's storyline where I feel like she isn't sort of at, at some on some level um, taking charge. Even when things don't go her way, she still finds a way to take charge of the situation and own it. And that's unique. I mean, that's, and it's really powerful too. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about her character. Um, Let's talk about uh, Max, uh, some of our favorite uh, Max moments. Um, You know, uh, when, uh oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, So, uh, one of, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Max moments is uh, when Max, <clears throat> when Max, uh, you know, when you first see Max, it's one of my first moments because when I saw uh, uh, Jessica Parker Kennedy, that was one of the reasons why I was like, you know what, I might like this show. <laughs> <laughs> So I was, you know, so the first time she's on screen, she had my intention. So <laughs> she is gorgeous. I mean, there's no, there's no nice, uh, no, not nice. There's no, um, there's no sort of hedging around that. That woman is just gorgeous. Yeah. And you would think she would get, I mean, you would see her in everything. I've seen her in uh, this one movie where she played like, the secretary or something in it. I'm like, she should have been the star of this movie. Like, you know, like, you know, she's such a, you know, a, a beautiful woman and uh, any good actress as well. So, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. And if you listen, if you listen to her speak um, when she's not doing her Max character, mm-hmm. her accent is completely different. Right. So, I mean, that took a lot of skill as well. That was no small feat. I wouldn't think oh, she's on the flash. Okay. I didn't know that. And she was on Supergirl. Oh yeah, that's right. She was on Supergirl. I remember that. Okay, she's she's done some stuff here and there, but uh, not as much as she should. And she's from Calgary. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. She's of African, Russian, and Italian descent. All right. Wow. Wow, that's a interesting mix there. Uh, and oh, it says that she was originally cast in J.J. Abrams. 2010 spy drama Undercovers as a younger sister of the female lead uh, who was in that movie. Oh, okay. That was a good show too, by the way. Uh, that didn't, um, unfortunately, uh, that show didn't uh, have a long run to it. Yeah. It's funny though how some people, like you get to know them in their, like a breakout role. And then you like, you know what? This person's been around for a while. Like all of a sudden you go back and you look, it's like, oh, hey, they've been kind of, you know, bouncing around and, you know, you're just, you're just now catching on to them. But, uh, yeah, interesting. All right. So what's one of your favorite, uh, Max moments, uh, Jen? Um, I, hmm, that's a good question. There's so many for me. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think that one of my favorite Max, I'm going to call it a storyline, mm-hmm. is when Max basically, uh, once again, takes command of the situation and presents to Eleanor and Jack and Anne sitting in the back that she, oh no, wait, this was season two, that she um, is taking the leads that come into the brothel and handing them out to people who pay for them. That was an awesome moment. And I think it was awesome because it was just so, it it just spoke to her empowerment 
and how far she had come from season one into season two. Like, this is a new Max. Mm. I, I really enjoyed that. I, the one thing that I didn't like about Max, which is, and I think that this is just purely writing. Sorry, writers, I love you, but sometimes, yeah. The, the, the scene, the episodes with Max talking to Eleanor's grandmother, as much as I liked the idea of that, it always felt so un-Max. It, it, like she was a fish out of water there. I didn't like it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those characters where they were in, they might have liked in the beginning but never really figured out totally what to do with her. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I, – I, I, I think it's kind of um, – I think it was kind of suspect, like her ending uh, in the series. But to kind of stay on – topic i think the shining moment or my favorite moment was actually at the end and i believe it was the end of season four when jack rackham walked her in and let her see that treasure mm. and she looked like she was ready to blast off you know I, <laughs> like in, in the in the back of my head I was like, sister, just get you a couple of bags of that treasure and bounce. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Just get what you and a few dudes can carry or whatever. You know, I mean, I know you can't trust anybody, but I'm like, yo, just 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 get out of there. But of, of course, you know, a lot of these characters, uh, at least to their credit, saw a lot of the stuff through, you know, a, a, as far as they could. But, you know, to me, that just really, it really stands out. And it also says something that she was kind of the last face, you know, that you, that they focused in on before the next season when, you know, a lot of their, you know, a lot of their trajectories actually for a little while were going up. So uh, for me, that was it. I don't think I'll ever forget that look on her face. Yeah. That's a, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a that was a great scene. Yeah, uh, oh, she's a series regular now on uh, Flash. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah so she got so, another game. So I'll never see her again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, come I, on, the Flash is good. I've heard mm -hmm. it, but I never I'm sure. I I I kind of fell off the wagon a, a while back, but I mean, and not because it's. It, 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 I don't know. Uh, like before they weren't they doing all this time travel stuff or whatever. Yeah, they were. Yeah, well, well, once they started getting into that, I was just kind of like, you know what, I, I'm out. CW, but uh, yeah, congratulations know, to her. I, 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 I have often thought that um, that the story uh, that well, the the story as it kind of as it is as it runs congruous with Bax and Anne is. Because the storylines touch so often, it it's an interesting uh, dynamic to think of what Max or Anne's story would have been without the other. And if you could even tell that story, if it would even make any sense. Because, they, because so much of what Anne did was in response to Max and so much of what Max did was in response to Anne. Like, remember when, um, remember when Anne killed that guy uh uh oh god uh, the name is, is escaping me but um he killed her and char or him and charlotte up in the room mm -hmm. and 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 it, it i mean it actually for a little while she had like a a bit of a psychotic meltdown right, right. The, i loved that because it forced max to sort of go into a kind of redemptive arc with her that is, you know, Anne sort of saved her from the blackest period of her time. And here's Max to try to save Anne from the darkest period of her days. And it was just such an interesting uh, reciprocation of, uh, of, of character karma, if you will. I really thought that that was an amazing thing. But it's amazing to me when I look back on how incredibly intertwined those two characters really are more so i think perhaps than almost any other character combination 
Hey, do either of you believe that? I mean, what would y'all have been satisfied had at the end of Black Sales, um, they would have just had Max and Anne hook up and go ahead, you know, and kind of go on their way together? Because I guess in history, like, there's really, I mean, the truth of the matter is, and you know, there are a lot of rumors about she's related to such and such or whatever, whatever. But um, uh, I think if they would have went off together, it would have been cool because nobody really knows what happened to Anne Bonnie after um, Rackham was hanged or, or whatever. But I wouldn't have mind them took a liberty with that. I thought it would have been cool. No, I wouldn't have had an issue with that either. No. Well, well, I, I mean, everything's out of time sequence, right? I mean, like Charles Vane was basically uh, Anne Bonnie would have been how old? Uh, like four. I, I mean, like the Black Sales writers took exceptional liberty with timelines so Mm -hmm. it so yeah so it probably it would have been just fine i i wouldn't have had a problem with it in in some ways you know it's so weird because in some ways i feel like black sales tried to preserve the pirate uh the pirate nation just by sort of morphing it into something a little bit different but in reality you know that's the the pirates had their day and to to ease into the transition of okay now let's go tell treasure island you have to end the pirate story i'm not saying that there were no pirates i'm saying though that that the the pirate republic had its day and it should have come to a close the same way that the rest of those stories did that's i i think that that was sort of the one thing that was kind of missing but i i honestly i feel like at the end the writers were so nebulous about everything that it was sort of like well we don't want to dis- disappoint the fans in any way so let's just create a lot of uh uh static and noise for people to kind of you can go this way or you can go this way or you can think this thing or you can think that thing and that's totally fine and it, i don't know it just never fe- the closing of their story didn't feel very good either <laughs> agreed yeah definitely agree okay so um let's uh get to our, our uh, final thoughts on this uh, as we we're gonna wrap up uh i'll, I'll start with you jen was there anything um more you think that um, we need to get to uh, about these uh, characters. Um, I mean, I, I felt like, you know, they started off questionable as far as the writing. They got very interesting in the middle. And then you can argue that uh, in the, the end was kind of okay. It was not a super awesome for either one. So... I mean, overall, now that we have the full picture is painted, uh, I mean, what is your final thoughts on both of the characters and the uh, arcs and all of that? For for as much as I complained that I didn't like, you know, some of the stuff that the writers did, I will give them a lot of credit for creating strong female characters that, that were able to hold their own with us as the audience in a, a a realistic kind of way at, at at least for me i never felt like Anne or max were caricatures of either characters in history or of some kind of you know piratey wench architect it, it always felt to me like there was uh some kind of authentic feel to them both now i know their storylines kind of went all over the place but i give the writers a lot of credit for sort of standing up and and letting them be forces unto themselves to be reckoned with and not need strong men to prop them up. So that's overall that's what I take away from Anne and Max both. You said piratey winch. <laughs> I did say piratey winch. <laughs> that's what every pirate needs is a good winch. <laughs> 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 oh gosh alright so what about you Carly? Uh, overall now that we have the whole picture painted of uh, these two characters and of course we're going to talk more about uh, Max with uh, Eleanor when we do that and, and more of Annie with I'm sorry Anne with uh, Jack Rackham but uh, what's your take on that uh, uh, you know what I I agree wholeheartedly with everything that's been said up to this point. I'll have to say, um, you know, for me, I guess if I, if I had to score, I, I would give them a lower score definitely for how they closed. But I thought that they, they definitely had their moments. I just kind of, you know, it, it's hard for me to think that 
with them getting a more compelling storyline, once again, you've got to take away <laughs> from other characters that I thought were a lot more important. I just think that they could have been more, they could have been more tactful in how they, you know, how they handled their characters after their shining moments, you know, like in the middle seasons or whatever. But, you know, all in all, they, they were two characters that were in, you know, really important within a larger, you know, framework of the show. So um, the one thing that I'll definitely give the writers credit for as well is they kind of got my antennas up for both, um, you know, for the actresses, you know, that play those characters. So now, you know, I'm kind of on high alert, you know, if they are involved in other things. So they definitely made them more recognizable. And um, as mentioned earlier, um, um, Parker is in the flash. So I, I think that, you know, her, her, her visibility is going to be a, a lot more in the future. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. I, I just, I wish it would have been a stronger finish, but I can't say that I was, you know, disappointed and it definitely didn't take away from my enjoyment of the story as a whole. So I'll give them a passing grade overall. Now, and kudos to Max's character. Cause she knocked off uh, both Eleanor and Anne, she was one Miss Barlow away for the ultimate trifecta there. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, did either of you ever feel like Max wouldn't make it out? I don't. I think that we all pretty much was like, nah, she was gonna. I, I know that I was saying that she was gonna make it all the way through. Yeah, you you were definitely there. I I thought they were gonna come up with you know she dies or you know something like that, but nope, she made a lot more people made it than I thought. I thought it was gonna be more of a bloodbath in the end. I we all I think a lot of us thought that Flint was going, but um you know no uh it wasn't uh it wasn't as it, did. I, it wasn't. Did we I, really have to have this argument? Flint died. Okay, he oh, died. Okay, right, right. It wasn't as optimistic <laughs> as his mother's uh, Downton Abbey ending. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it was pretty optimistic ending to the show because if you've seen that the end of Downton Abbey which was a great ending but it was like everybody got exactly what they wanted <laughs> you know it was like <laughs> it was yeah. the best I've never seen so many characters get everything they wanted <laughs> you know but in the in the finale but it was okay though it worked so uh, but then I, again, again they're making a movie so you know so maybe I, that changes I have one I have one question for you both. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is stronger as a character, Max or Anne? Mm, physically, Anne for sure. Mentally. But mentally, you could yeah. make a, a good argument for Max, you know? Yeah, I, I, th I, I think, no, I, I say hands down, it's Max. Max's hustle game is way stronger than Anne's. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just, she, she seems like she's built to be behind the scenes and cause havoc. Like she, she's like the Palpatine of Black Sails. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, all right, all of you suckers, you know, <laughs> this, that, and the other. And then on the other end, you know what I mean? You're like, well, damn, you know how they win. So, I mean, for me, I'll just say Max, because I think that she did a lot when her lot in life was a lot less than other people. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I have to definitely give her credit for, you know, being a beast when all of the cards are stacked against you from the beginning. Yoda did. I mean, uh, Palpatine did get Yoda to go into hiding after they fought. So I give, mm -hmm. I give Palpatine a little nudge over Max. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree, though. I, I do think that Max actually had sort of a uh, an, an intellectual edge over Anne. But but it's funny. The reason that I ask that is because there's a lot of people who believe that Anne was the stronger of the two because she sort of uh, never gave to the center. Um, she never kind of like uh, had to move her position from where she was. But I actually argue that she did. Because she had to give up the gold and the treasure to save Jack. So she, I mean, it's not like, it's not like either of the characters were 100% uh, immovable from their positions. Right. And I don't think because of love, if you sacrifice because of love, I don't think that makes you a weak character. Because sometimes I think uh, we'll say that about female characters is that 
because they have to give up something because they love somebody or or it's usually love a man then right. then that makes them weak i don't think i think any love is all about sacrifice so i don't think that's necessarily a, a weak trait in a in a female character because of that i, I think i think that's a beautiful trait that you, that you love someone so much you're willing to sacrifice for them so uh and i and i always hear that as like some sort of weak it's like, oh, she did it because of her man. I'm like, well, if you love your man, you you know, <laughs> you're supposed to do it, right? You know, you're not supposed to say, you know what? I want that gold ring more than I want you alive, baby. Sorry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Pirates, you know. I'm, 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 I'm just, saying, just saying. If 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 we would, if a guy sacrificed for his wife or his lady or whatever, we would say, oh, man, that's a brave man, you know. He sacrificed. So why is it when a woman does it, it's some sort of a negative? You know, I want my woman to sacrifice. That's right. It's true. Like sacrifice all that money to save me. (laughs) I I, I agree. I I do actually agree that it's not a weakness. I I think I'm just trying to say that like some people, that's what they saw. They saw that it was some some kind of trade off that she made for Jack that that, uh, then they didn't have the treasure. But the yeah i i i I think you're a hundred percent right where it's it that actually showed a lot more strength and courage than to simply walk away mm-hmm. and leave everything else behind so yeah and i just you know I just saved you too if a a potential uh boyfriend of yours in the future is listening to the show she's like he's like, oh she's not so cold blooded uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I'm trying to attract pirates. So, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> okay. Hey, and wait a minute. And, and actually, before we close out, and actually, uh, Max made it all the way through without killing anybody. That's right, huh? Wait, wait, I, wait. Didn't she get one person? I no. want to say that she did. I can't think of it. I think she made it all the way through and didn't kill anybody. She might have done some stuff that might have led to people getting <laughs> molly but I don't know. I don't think that she actually. I, I, no, yeah, I, I can't. I maybe can't she got any the blood she has in her hands either. Maybe she got the uh, the the hockey assist. The hockey assist. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think some decisions that she made, of course, you know, like everybody else, you know, might have led to you know somebody getting their comeuppance but i you know no no she doesn't literally have any blood on her hands though that's interesting she was she was one miranda barlow from uh, ultimate hat trick so (laughs) great so let's start off with you jen how can people get you in social media and stuff and tell us about your websites i am on uh twitter at following bliss one and i am on the internet at critical laughs with two L's.com. And my new site is movies make the meal. So stop by, enjoy, drop me a line. Let me know if you want to see something. All right. And uh, Yardley, how can people get you in social media and tell everybody about the, your podcast? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at militant underscore marker. And there's another podcast that I do where we talk about paranormal movies and uh, weird news and all types of things like that. It's called The Creepin' It Real Show. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we usually have the podcast release on Tuesdays. So uh, go to Creepin' It Real Show on any of those social media. And we're actually on Facebook as well. Um, and check out the links to some of the shows. Uh, we're always interested in output. I mean, input on you know what we could do to to make the show better. But more importantly, we want people to get involved and tell us their weird news stories or their paranormal stories, and uh, we'll talk about them on the show. It's pretty fun because a, a lot of times um, we basically go in a circle. So each week, a different host kind of hosts the show. So a lot of the times I'll pick um, different movies and actually can say because of uh, cinema du fromage, I actually, I had such a good time talking about return of living dead that that's good. What we're going to talk about on, you know, on the podcast. So, and no we were, 
Yeah, so you know, hey, I, but see, you're, you're out. Like we, we record kind of early, Kente, so I don't know how early. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're up, but um, I actually did kind of run it across my co-host, so we we might be reaching out to both of you to come on and talk about uh, Return of the Living Dead again. Sure, no problem. I... Well, since it's been edged out, Yardley from the top two, well, I'm sure we have tons to say about it. You won't believe what edged, you won't believe what edged it out. Uh, you won't oh believe what edged it out. It, uh, it actually got edged out by Batman, nineteen sixty six. Oh God, the horror! Because, uh, uh, you say, well, you know what? I mean, you know what? Full disclosure is, I I actually have the Blu Ray and the DVD of that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what we talked about last week too. It was funny as hell. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, I like on. the movie, but I mean, like, I would rather Return of the Living Dead be the, been the one. But, but uh, uh, yeah, we had a hey, good time. Oh, my favorite, favorite line in that movie is uh, is when he goes uh, when Batman says uh, when uh, when Robin says, "Hey, you, why did you save that riffraff?" and he and he turns to Robin and he says, "They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're human beings." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? Uh, Adam West represented for a long time. Hell, he's got a street named after him in Amsterdam. So, hey, rock on. Bro. <laughs> yeah, that that was hilarious in the rubber shark. Definitely. This week, uh, we're doing um, on Cinema du, du Fromage, uh, we're doing uh, Poseidon Adventure. So, that should be interesting. So, uh, that is uh, this Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. And uh, uh, and you can get me at Kente F on Twitter. You can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. We'll catch you next time right here. Peace. Just told my husband I was running in for a few things at the anniversary sale going on now at Vons. Truth is, I'll need his help loading the car when I'm done because there are so many great deals. Don't miss the anniversary sale going on at Bonds. Click on this ad to see the great deals going on now. Now these are savings worth celebrating. Pop the trunk, honey. 